Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEELS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEELS. Food Heals Podcast, episode 244. It's not the deep, meaningful conversations that you have with someone late at night for a couple of hours that brings you close together. It's the little things. It's going to the grocery store. It's taking out the garbage. It's taking out the trash. Yeah, all of these little things that really bond people more than anything else. The act of like, you know, getting together with whatever, your partner, your lover, someone you're dating and making a meal together is also a very sensual experience and you're feeding each other. That's very intimate. And that's just as important in my opinion. You have certain relationships with people so you learn lessons and most of those come as intimate love relationships because that's where you do learn the most because that's where you're the most vulnerable and the reward is what you actually allow yourself to learn. As much as on one side, yeah, there's a little bit of diving to do and it's uncomfortable. But on the other side, there's freedom and joy and passion. And so what if along the way you cry a couple times, you get frustrated or you make a mistake or you a failure that teaches you something. That's the balance. That's what consciousness is. Men love women who love themselves. It works in reverse as well. And so I always tell people, this isn't about the man. It's not about the woman. This is about you and how you view you. When we feel filled up by something bigger than ourselves and we're not looking to a person, a partner to fill us up, that is a whole nother level of being able to experience relationship. It's the golden ticket. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. Welcome, Food Heals Nation, and happy Valentine's Day. Today is a very fun mashup episode. It's a throwback to some of our favorite moments where we discuss love, sex, and relationships. We're talking about love languages with Leanne Linsky from Life, Laughter, Divorce. We're going to hear from celebrity chef Jason Robel on how to eat for better sex. We're talking to Elise Carr on Jade Eggs. You've heard about them from people like Gwyneth Paltrow. You're going to hear some first date horror stories from some of my favorite podcasters like Erica Mandy from The Newsworthy and Laura Peterson from Copy That Pops. We're also having a candid conversation with NBA star and vegan John Sally on some of his relationship philosophies. We're talking to Amuna from the Sacred Love Academy on how to create sacred love that lasts. And of course, we've got JJ from the podcast Spirit, Purpose, and Energy, plus Michael from Something to Whine About and Consciously Speaking. And we're talking about how we pick our marriage partners based on our parents' relationships and how Imago Therapy can help 
help marriages actually heal. Then we've got intuitive Tracy Crossley on the truth about soulmates. Plus, you'll hear Susie and I's stories on how we met our hubbies and how Ayurvedic expert Sahara Rose recently got engaged. We're also going to hear from Danielle Mercurio on how to teach your date a sexy meditation. And we've got Kimmy Seltzer teaching us how to make over our love lives. I feel like that was a lot, Food Heals Nation, but you get the gist. We're talking all things love, sex, and relationships. It's a really fun one. Happy Valentine's Day, Food Heals Nation. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. It's not the deep, meaningful conversations that you have with someone late at night for a couple of hours that brings you close together. It's the little things. It's going to the grocery store. It's taking out the garbage. It's taking out the trash. Yeah, All of these little things that really bond people more than anything else. And you know what I've learned that I think is so important is learning the other person's and your own love language. So for mm-hmm. us, me doing something for him, such as, like you said, taking out the trash or doing the dishes is me showing my love to him. But for me... That's just a waste of time if he's home that we could spend cuddling and hanging out. Right. And that's my love language. And so I didn't know any of this. And I'm married and I'm still figuring it out, right? We love each other, but there's been differences in fights, you know? And so as we've grown to know what is important to the other person, we then can act in such a way to give them the love that they need. And so for me, I need him to kiss me when he gets home. I need him to cuddle me and talk to me and ask me how my day was. He needs me to do little things that show him that I care about when he comes home. And not in a patriarchal... Like a martini and slippers? I can do that. Like a sexy <laughs> dance with your socks on? She yeah. can definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> little twerk. Little twerking with her socks on. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like learning the love languages and learning what people need is so important because if you don't understand that, sometimes we don't even know what we need and what's important to us. It's true. And that- Have you taken the love language quiz? No. Okay, so I first learned about this. I haven't read the book yet, and I have to because I think it's very important. You guys, the book you can read in like an hour and a half. It's so short. I read is it on it really? the plane. It's amazing and short. So I first learned about it last summer mm-hmm. and took the quiz yeah. to find your love language. Yeah. And it's very it's very interesting. So I've taken being having studied psychology, I've taken a lot of psychological personality quizzes, right? Like they rephrase the questions over and over again in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I just answered this, but it's kind of slightly different. And sometimes you'll answer it a little bit differently. But it's trying to ascertain like what's more important to you in terms of how you view being loved right and so it's sometimes it's gifts sometimes it's physical words of affirmation words of affirmation Uh service and i forget the fifth one do you remember the the fifth one paying my rent (laughs) (laughs) but there are five and i and i remember when i got and i did it again because i did it last summer and then i and i recently because you mentioned it to me ali yeah i did it again it's like oh what's what is my love language and i did it again i'm like oh yeah that makes sense like i get it no but it's so important because what happens is is we do our own love language to the person right but they don't necessarily receive it because they have a if they have a different love language so I have, everyone has two. You have a primary and a secondary. And Dan, my husband, has a primary and a secondary. And ours are completely different. So we have to realize that the way for us to love each other best is to give them what they want. So mine are quality time and physical touch. His are acts of service and words of affirmation. Those are two different things. Do you know Mm -hmm. what my number one was? What? 
gifts. No. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm not. Oh, I guess I am. No, it sounds. You got to read the Roxy's book. Roxy's laughing again. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean diamonds and rosé. It means like acts of giving of themselves. No, it's definitely. Or giving them a It's something. definitely gifts. And let me, let, let's talk about this because yeah. this is really interesting to me because when I, growing up, my mother was a beautiful woman. She's no longer here. She was bubbly and loved to laugh. Mm-hmm. Lo- like, I think that's where, you know, my family always loved to laugh as a unit. Like, we were always, we were, we were listening to stand-up comedy tapes in the car in, on cassettes. Like, my family was very fun and very into gift giving. Like, Christmas, we all, g- we gave, we had a very small family unit, but we all gave, even as a young kid, I remember like wanting to give, like making something for my mom as a gift, you know, I thought everybody did this. Like I went, when I grew older and had like best friends, like I was like, you know, Christmas time, give gifts. Like that's, and not, and sometimes they were kind of like, oh, you got me a gift. You know, I was like, but no, I love you. It's Christmas. You know, like here's a gift. I thought of you. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. there isn't. And it was, it was just one of the ways that my family expressed that. Yes. And it was literally, it was truly until recently, where I was kind of, um, my family expanded. So my cousin got married and we were, we would talk about this kind of thing where our family was very into gift giving and it's not, it wasn't a mercenary thing. It was more of a thought, a thought thing. The most thoughtful gift I've ever gotten from my family at Christmas time was a series of books from my aunt that were relate when I was in college was related to drama it was a bunch of plays and it was like a Shakespeare lexicon and it was cool and I and I've gotten much more expensive gifts from my family and this wasn't very it it wasn't expensive it wasn't about that it was like the thought that went behind it yeah so it's not about money it's about the thought that goes into the actual physical thing that like I think you might enjoy this yeah having done a little bit of that quiz and like talking to you about it and now I'm like I need to read that book because it was it to me it's like a given like if you love someone you give them a gift you if you see something they might like you because not, not that's a, your right, love right. language, girl. And it's so assumed. And I it's not it. everyone's. That's like my family. It should be. Gifts are fun. <laughs> my, my family gives very practical gifts, you know, like for Christmas one Socks. year. Well, no. It's <laughs> one year my parents came over and they gave me like 10 boxes. I was like, what are these? These little square boxes. And I open it up and it's light bulbs. My, I'm like, light bulbs? My dad's like, yeah, your place is like an effing cave in here. I can't see anything. I dated a guy. Like, they, gave I, me, they give me what they want. <laughs> yeah. I, I dated a guy right out of college when I was in Manhattan. And his family, like for Christmas, gave him like a toothbrush and toothpaste. <laughs> and I was floored. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with them? <laughs> like, why would they... who enjoys a toothbrush like don't you have a toothbrush you have a toothbrush ask me what my graduation gift was what was it electric razor (laughs) (laughs) so we broke it down into benefit chapters so there's 14 chapters and we lead with eat for better sex because Mm. whether people want to admit it or not 
We got sex on the brain. That's right. Chapter number one. Eat That's it. for better sex. That's it. So what are we talking about? We're talking about boosting libido. We're talking about foods that are, are helping with circulation and blood flow. We're helping with foods that help you to relax you. You know, magnesium <laughs> is, a, is a nutrient that people are low in. Magnesium is a great, great mineral Can for I sex. Can I read this little burb right here? Why are you giggling over there? <laughs> you know, here's the scary part. I don't even funny. remember what I wrote. Because it's funny. And I'm almost afraid of what she's about to read. Go <laughs> no, ahead. No, it's good. It's good. Okay. From chapter one. What if I told you that by adding a few really simple, delicious new foods to your current lifestyle, you could pump up your libido to levels unseen since the days of Greek Dionysian orgies? You'd <laughs> Yes. You'd better go stitch yourself a new pair of fig leaf underwear because I'm going to turn you into a superfood sex god or goddess before you know it. I love it. I love that's the freaking fig, hilarious. And that's fig how we start underwear. the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brand. We should trademark that. I want to make fig leaf, leaf underwear brands. I think that people would buy that. Really? Yes. And you know, we could create a whole brand aura around like, yeah, and they go to these parties <laughs> and everyone wears this fig leaf undies that are actually made from the stitch. And all of a sudden it's like an orgy, man. The vine is flowing and then the superfood chocolates come out. And next thing you know, you're waking up to next to is this woman. You've never seen her before, but it's okay. Cause you know, she wakes up in the morning, makes you a smoothie. You don't know what a smoothie is. Look, this is LA. This could happen. I'm serious. <laughs> fig leaf orgies, superfood fig leaf orgies. Done, done. Maybe that should be the launch party. Mm. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. We'll promote it. <laughs> but will you be there? We'll be there. Uh, we won't be participating in all the activities. No, we'll we'll videotape it though. That's done. We'll document. Just as long as you're there, <laughs> we'll podcast live because people won't believe that it actually happened. It must be documented. Okay, so what are some foods to eat for better sex? Okay. What is in the book? So, uh, kabocha squash is a great libido booster. Um, superfoods like pine pollen, maca powder. Uh, raw chocolate, which is the highest natural source of magnesium. And going back to that, I think magnesium is the one mineral, first of all, that most Americans are critically deficient in. For real. Critically. But, but <laughs> it's I, true. No, it is. But magnesium, if we're talking about you know sex, it's like, what does magnesium do? It helps with blood flow. If your blood is not pumping to all the areas of your body, including your genitals, you're going to have some issues. So magnesium, definitely. So um, pumpkin seeds are another great food full of magnesium. You know, and if we, we talk about like the sensual art of preparing food, you know, one of the best ways to like really, I find, you know, get somebody in the mood is like, let's come over and let's make a meal. And and I feel like not just the ingredients, but the way that we approach food in general is is endemic of this incredibly busy culture we're in, where it's just like shove food in your mouth and get on with your day. Yep. But the act of like, you know, getting together with whatever, your partner, your lover, someone you're dating and making a meal together is also a very sensual experience. You know, you're feeding each other, you're putting your hands in this food, you know, you're going to have like this, this moment like ghost, you know, where you come behind her and you're just like, you know, feeding each other chocolate pudding and she's licking it off your fingers. Like, there's there's just a possibility. Jason. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Just, it's getting just hot in Fingers here, and mouth yeah. and chocolate. Cu- anyway. Pudding? It's getting what? hot. <sighs> what I'm saying is incorporate these ingredients, but also the act of making the food with the person you love. is a, that that's, that's very intimate. Yeah. And that's just as important, in my opinion. And the energy goes into the food. It's like, what is it about home cooking versus, I don't even want to say fast food, but even restaurant food where there, it, there's something always 
much more loving, magical. I don't know. It's got to be the energy put in by people actually making it for people that they care about. There's something to that, you know? It's undeniable. I completely agree. And so if like, you know, if you're like, you know, I'm going to make you this girl something and she's like, yeah. You know, that, yeah, Barry White, like a little Barry White going in this world, baby. Yeah. You know what you That's mean? Go I had in. a thought when you were speaking. Um, I think the resurgence of, I mean, people, obviously, food is a great source of, one of the many sources of pleasure that we experience. It's a big one. It's one of the publicly okay <laughs> way to feel pleasure, <laughs> especially in our society. But I think the resurgence of, like, foodies and all these cooking shows and people getting back to you know growing their own food and getting really into it i think this has something to do with the fact that like even in this day and age americans are just we're started by puritans and we're still kind of you know closed off about sex not everybody but just in general you know compared to europeans the food is okay that's okay to get behind but the sex no keep it down so the fact that you're combining them in chapter one brilliant that's why i did that because i knew that that a, it was going to get a lot of people's attention. Yeah. And B, it was going to polarize a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and I'm completely fine whatever comments float through on social media of like, this was amazing, this helped me so much. Or, oh my God, I can't believe you talked about sex. Like, fine. Then, you know, you have some things you need to work on. Great. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, overall, the spirit of the book is to empower people to be really honest about where they're at in their health right now. And in each of those chapters, it does, you know, whatever, whatever you want to improve, if you're good on sex, God bless you. Awesome. Great. You're having a great sex life, but maybe, you know, the eat for muscle building chapter is going to serve you or eat for better eyesight or eat for better heart health. So I, I, I tried to really just infuse this book with a spirit of whomever may open this can find something of use and benefit, you know, because I know for me, there's definite, definitely things I want to improve about my health for sure. But I think each one of us have those little spots in our life where maybe we want to turn the dial up a little more and and get a little more information on how we can have a better experience here on planet Earth. Okay, Jason, let's say you're going on a first date. Uh, What is the best recipe? Get her in the mood, get her excited, sex her up, be romantic. (sighs) Allison, on the first date? I mean, that's what we want. Why are we going to kid around? You know, <laughs> and there's a song for this too. Color me bad. I want to sex you up. TikTok, you don't stop. stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what am I going to make? I'm going to have that in the background. So she'll be like, ooh, avant-garde choice. Color me bad. Um, I'm going to probably say, oh my God. Um, the stuffed squash blossoms are pretty sexy because you have a... De- oh. Now, that's a very seasonal thing. That's like if I'm trying to get my boom boom on in the springtime because mm-hmm. there's only a specific yeah. time of year for that. But if it is spring, summer, and you can find squash blossoms, um, a really savory pine nut ricotta, you stuff those in the squash blossoms, and then I make a red pepper harissa coulis that's very Moroccan-inspired. You drizzle that on top. I'd probably start with that as an aperitif. Because it's very light, very sexy, very pretty. Because, you know, if a girl's going to be like, oh, you're eating flowers? Yes, baby, you're going to be eating flowers. Okay? <laughs> you ain't just smelling them. You ain't just looking at them. You eating them, girl. So we're going to start with that. Then I'm probably going to move on to, ooh, the panzanella salad is good. That's that's yummy and crunchy because we have contrasting textures in there. We've got We've got vegan cheese. We've got gluten-free bread. We've got crunchy veggies. That would be the salad. And then I'm going to say, probably at the end of the day, 
Yeah, the, honestly, the pasta marinara is good because it tastes like mm. regular cooked pasta, even though I use al dente kelp noodles and I have secrets for making amazing kelp noodles. Ooh. So I'm going to get a little pasta action in there. And then as a dessert, I'm probably going to let her have my balls. <laughs> what does that mean? Just like a man. Yeah, I'm going to let her have my my chocolate pecan crunchy balls. I knew we were going somewhere <laughs> yeah, that. Not yeah. your sweaty balls. Which, which, yeah, actually, and we can go back to another song from South Park. You guys remember this one oh, by, yeah. by Chef? Yeah. Suck on my chocolate salty balls. Put them in your mouth and suck them. Yeah, that's another classic. And this podcast is officially rated R, Food Heals Nation. We could say balls as long as there's chocolate pecan crunchy in front. That is true. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's how I'm going to lead off on a date, first date. Elise is a sacred spirituality and sexuality director, life empowerment mentor, certified holistic health coach, writer, speaker, tantra practitioner, Reiki master, model, and artist. I am so excited to talk with her. <laughs> is your mind blown? My mind is blown. My yoni is ready to talk about femininity and sacred sexuality and spirit. I'm so ex- I'm so excited. These are like Susie's favorite topics. I know. Welcome, Elise. <laughs> oh, angel ladies, Alice and Susie, thank you so much for having me. I love that you literally said my yoni is ready to, to receive all this magical wisdom and these beautiful not, experiences. Not everybody's we, we gonna, love that. Not everybody's, no, no, no. Not everybody's going to get not that. Not in an inappropriate way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Explain it now. Really, the yoni is like the entire female sexual reproductive area. All, all the way. All the bits. All the way up and inside and all the juicy bits right to your ovaries. So it's a very empowering space. Oh, even to your ovaries. I didn't even know that. Yeah, everything about the female sacred sexuality. I, and, and I also consider it like your first your first chakra and all of that energy, like your 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 feminine power. Yeah, right? and second chakra too. And second mm-hmm. chakra, one oh, and two. Yeah. Is yours ready, uh, Allison? Uh, <laughs> I am ready. This is getting off to quite the interesting start. <laughs> so let's talk about our... This is very, this is a very um, important, I think, topical subject right now. You know, just the other day, I was reading how Gwyneth Paltrow is now advocating holding jade eggs in your vagina to increase Mm -hmm. sexuality and... I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what that means. A jade egg. I don't know what that is. Okay. (laughs) We're going to teach you all about it. (laughs) Somebody teach me. You guys are soul sisters. And I I am the student (laughs) and you are my teachers. It's a jade, the stone jade, right? Uh Gemstone in the shape of an egg. Because in in Chinese uh, culture, the jade is very, uh, actually it emits a lot of energy and is very healing and is very sign of power and they wear a lot of jade so uh i don't know where she picked this up from but she i just saw the article briefly in my eye doctor's office where she's advocating putting jade eggs uh after her vaginal steaming uh rant have Mm -hmm. you heard about that Mm -mm. okay we'll get to that too uh but she's (laughs) saying hold a, a jade egg in your vagina to increase uh i guess kegel uh muscles uh increase your tension of your kegel muscles and also energetically it's supposed to help your femininity and female energy and sexuality so all right elise i have been trained in in this sacred art and there actually aren't many women around the world still existing that are and this is a practice as you mentioned that is actually chinese but it goes back many 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 generations and it's something that the chinese royalty used to use it was very much underground it was a mm. hidden secret and then it was later taught to uh, a sect of women called the white tigress and and i've trained 
with the lineage of this through my teachers and masters. And, and now I'm, I'm really excited to be sharing this wisdom with, with women and, and clients around the world. I don't just sell jade eggs. I, I'm really passionate about women knowing what to do with them. Otherwise, it's like, what do I do with this? Because we've read an article or seen a little clip here or there. So it's really important to have the knowledge and the awareness. And, and as you touched on, it is something that's used for, you say Kegels, we say PC. So PC is short for the pubococcygeus. It's like our little hammock-like muscle that for women sits between, charmingly, the anus and vaginal opening. And it's important to strengthen this, not to overdo it, but to strengthen it whether or not you choose to be having children, whether you've had children or whether you have no desire. Sometimes people say, oh, it's really good to do before you have a child. Well, yes, it is great. It's also great to do after you've stopped bleeding post giving birth. But just for our general well-being, our general physical well-being, it's brilliant. But then we've also got, yeah, the emotional ability to to be able to release, to soften, to connect deeper with your divine feminine. Because really you're focusing on a space that is through many centuries also been traumatized it's been something that's been neglected. Sometimes there's a lot of shame and abuse. I was just going to say and, shame. Uh, yeah. And trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge, 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 huge. So learning to work with the jade egg as a sacred ritual, as a sacred practice to connect deeper with yourself, to heal those spaces, to let go of that wounding and that trauma that we hold in our emotional body. And sometimes, you know, it feels like it's in our physical body. It can be a massive release for many women. It can be very empowering for many women. And then there's the other side of things that often gets glamorized and that's the yes, the likeliness that you're going to develop more sensitivity because we know the vaginal wall is is muscle. So like we flex any muscles and we work them with weights, the jade egg essentially acts like a small weight and you're essentially working the muscles of the vaginal wall around that weight, which is going to increase sensitivity. So while it's also going to be pleasurable for you, if you choose to perhaps, you know, be on your own or self-pleasure, it can also be more pleasurable for your partner, for your beloved. If that person is a man, you can be able to literally learn to be able to hug their lingam, we call it in Tantra, which means wand of light, also known as the penis. So you can learn to get the <laughs> wand penis. of light. Wand yes. of light. We can elaborate on that later. Hold that thought. <laughs> learn, learn to hug it, learn to embrace it. So it feels, you know, deeply held on a physical level, but you can find that this can actually enhance the intimacy and, and a deeper connection between you and your beloved as well. And yes, orgasms can be part of that. Now, someone who's, you know, come from this sacred ancient path and as a Tantra practitioner, I don't buy into the concept that we just want to have multiple orgasms. I'm more about having an orgasmic experience through life and enjoying the journey. So while, yes, using the jade egg can allow you to soften, open, and welcome more orgasms into your world, that's only like putting your toe in the ocean of how powerful the practice of the sacred jade egg can be and, and utilizing that with, with other elements of the psychosexuality and spirituality path that I personally teach and advocate. Wow. So that's a little taste of the jade egg. And, and, you know, just so we know, also when you buy these online, We've got to be careful what we're buying here. There's yes. a lot of people who are advocating carnelian eggs and rose core eggs and obsidian eggs, and you can put any kind of egg up there. Be really cautious. Now, we have to understand that because this has been around for so long, these people knew what they were doing. They invented it. They created it. And there was a reason why they used the jade egg, you know, the jade for the egg, you know, I should say, that deep green color or a lighter green color, the authentic jade. Because as you touched on, ladies, this actually has many properties that are deeply connected to the feminine. It also helps balance out the heart space. You know, we know our chakras and, and in the standard kind of chakra system that we're aware of with the seven internal chakras, the heart space is a green space. So by using the jade egg in the yoni, you're actually helping balance out this space within you as a woman, which goes between your sex organs and your heart and your breasts. So you're doing yourself a real service by using the specific 
color egg that it's intended to be and not, you know, I'm not saying you can't go and experiment and play, but it's not going to give you the same effect. It's not the ancient sacred traditional way. So just be aware of that. Okay, ladies, this is the first time hearing of this. So forgive me if I need You're some blushing. more Are you blushing right now? Susie, I have to ask my co-host, Elise, has, have you ever <laughs> used the jade egg? No, no, I have not. I have um, um, practiced Kegel exercises on my own. I have been to Tantra class, although when I was single, not married, I've been dying to take my husband um, to this Tantra practice group that I know of. Um, we have not been yet. But I, my, and my, even even going that far, and I went as a single woman, that was kind of intimidating because um, I didn't know what to expect, um, <laughs> to say the least. It piqued an interest and opened up a, now being an energy, so Elise, I don't know if you know this, I'm a body worker and an energy healer, um, but not in a tantric way. And I know the importance of keeping all the chakras open, of of sacred sexuality, um, and so, so having dipped my toe into that, when I just read this article, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. I, and at least I had no idea that you knew about the Jade Egg or that this was even <laughs> a true thing or if, or if Gwyneth had pulled it from some textbook from 2,000 years ago. I had no idea. It's not <laughs> even on our list of questions. No, it's not. <laughs> We're deviating from our script. It's the bonus round. <laughs> it's the bonus round. But um, this whole topic to me, and this is something that I myself personally might study in the future because I think... I think this is so needed in this day and age. I think we have, um, like Elise said, as women have been so shamed, our, our sexual organs have been so shamed, we carry so much, you know, energetically around it that we've forgotten um, the beauty that is there and the power that is there and the pleasure that is there. You know, I think at least for Americans, we do seek out that pleasure, but we don't connect, I think, on on the levels that are available to us sexually. And so that's why to me, um, in terms of sexual health and psychological health and love and connection to your partner, this is a fascinating topic. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, the the, the jade egg was just a one-off. I just saw that on the cover, literally saw it on the cover of a magazine. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But um, what Elise does is just fascinating to me. So back to you, Elise. I'm just really pleased that fabulous Gwyneth Paltrow is putting it out there. And, you know, the challenging thing is when you're in an arena where you're very public and you put out something that seems to be a little bit, you know, skewed to one side, you're going to get a backlash. And she, you know, publicly is is getting these horrible backlash, like even gynecologists saying you should not put these up there. Now, the reality is gynecologists don't have any understanding of this sacred practice except, you know, I'm sure there's probably some, I shouldn't say none, but obviously the people that are commenting on this, yeah, they don't understand. And it's a shame to be very black and white when actually you're being quite ignorant, Mm -hmm. despite having a doctorate or a PhD or, you know, whether you're a medical practitioner. So it's really important when it comes to anything in this genre that we keep an open mind or an open yoni, if that's what you feel like. (laughs) But, you know, being being open-minded, yes, we need to have boundaries and we need to make conscious choices and we need to use discernment. But we can't just dismiss things that we have no knowledge about just because it doesn't fit convention. Because let's face it, nothing in this world progresses if we stay the same. We need to break certain rules and and expand. And this is a beautiful part of also leading a tantric lifestyle is that we are open enough to 
learn about who we really are, not who society tells us to be. So if, you know, a gynecologist or a doctor or a scientist or anyone says, well, this is wrong, maybe we need to look into it for ourselves. I, you know? I absolutely agree, Elise. And I think just for, so for our listeners, and, you know, you, you live in Australia, so you guys may have a different perspective on this. Our, our gynecologists are very afraid of bacteria for our, for our vaginas and our female organs. They're just so afraid of bacteria. And so we're covered in it. Like it's, it's all over, it's us, all over us. And in fact, we need beneficial bacteria up there. I understand what they're saying that uh, in this article that I read, you know, they're afraid it's a porous rock and that, you know, it could lead to toxic shock syndrome. That would take many days, I think. You know, they're, in America, they're all for shoving... Um, tampons that have been bleached and have chemicals in them that's okay but like but a a natural rock is going to cause harm so just for our listeners you want to make sure that if you do decide to look into this you know you want to make sure that you maybe don't leave it there many days that you're there you're aware. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's one of the precautions that I that I teach, and this is why it's so important not to just buy these things offline with no instruction, but you know, to connect with someone that really has, you know, the knowledge and the wisdom. And one of those things, and I'll just say if anyone's got their jade egg in their hand now and they're ready to use it, be aware that you don't you want to have any cracks on it. You need to make sure it's in perfect condition, that it has been cleaned. Just in boiling water's fine. I like to also take mine to the ocean, give it a bit of a cleanse if if you're, you know, in LA that might be possible mm-hmm. depending on where you are. But also be aware that it's not something that you're supposed to use every day. It's not something you are supposed to sleep with or wear to the shops. Like jewelry. You could have you could be laying an egg in the middle of, you know, the the European aisle or whatever it is. So no, it's it's not internal jewelry. But having an awareness that the really the best way is maximum three times a week. Maximum at the very beginning, five, five minutes. Oh, see, you know, is fine. Okay. See because yeah, these- you've got to be in a space that you're open and receptive. You might even find that your Yoni does not want to take it in today. You know, you've got to warm yourself up. And that's why I take you through the whole process of learning how to care for the jade egg, what to do with it, how to practice, when to practice, but absolutely maximum three times a week and not to use when you're pregnant because it overstimulates a space that's already very stimulated from that beautiful baby growing inside you. Not to use normally, normally, or we can break this rule, but normally definitely not when you're menstruating. We call that your moon time. Once again, too much is going on there. You've got a lot of stimulation already. So, there's a lot of precautions we need to be aware of. And once again, people making these comments have no clue about this. So they go, oh, yes, you could get toxic shock syndrome. As you mentioned, let's be realistic. Look at the horrible products that are on the shelves that we're encouraged to use. Terrible. You know? So let, let's really tap into our consciousness and, and our wisdom and, and ask ourselves those questions of what's best for me? Because no matter what anyone says, myself, you guys, anyone at all who claims to be a professional, we've got to honor ourselves first and foremost. So be true to you and, and honor what is best for you in the moment. I think this is one of my favorite episodes ever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In the spirit of Valentine's Day, Erica, tell us your first date horror story. So this was <laughs> this was the first and last date with this person. So I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time, and I actually was trying out Match.com, and I had I had one little success story with that, but this was not that. I we were supposed to meet for dinner, so by the time I arrived, this wasn't a big deal. He was sitting at the bar; he had already ordered an appetizer, and so I ordered a drink, and we're having that appetizer, and then I'm like, okay, so should we order dinner? And he's like. I think we've had enough. And I'm like, Whoa. okay, then. I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but that's fine. Maybe we had a misunderstanding about whether this was dinner or not. So then we start talking about career. What do you do? You know, I'm a TV news reporter. And so he's like, yeah, I looked you up. And, you know, on your website, 
the picture that you chose, your smile is really fake looking and it looks like it's really Photoshopped. So you should probably pick a different picture. And I'm like, okay, first of all, it's not Photoshopped, (laughs) but thanks for telling me that my smile looks fake on our first date. And I didn't ask for your opinion. So I'm like, okay. So now my guard's up a little bit. I'm like, okay, I'll try. I'll give this guy a pass. So then we keep talking. And his next question is, so what's your favorite movie? And I tell him, you know, I don't know if it's because I'm a journalist and I'd see different perspectives, but I don't really have one favorite movie. I kind of like a handful of movies for different reasons. Depends what mood I'm in. And he says, you must not know what you want out of life if you can't pick one favorite movie. I always think that's a sign of someone who's indecisive. And I'm like, oh my God, could you, like, what else is this kid going to say? And on top of that, just to put, I know, right? I don't understand why people think this is acceptable. I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily funny, but I was like, get me out of here. Please. (laughs) On top of that, he had something going on on his lip. I'm not saying it was any, I I don't know what it was. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, then he asked me to share his drink. And it wasn't herpes. There was no explanation. Of course it was. I don't know. If it's a blister. But then why are you asking me to share? That's fine. But then don't ask me to share your drink. You know, I'm like, so I was like, I had to turn him down. I mean, it just felt like one thing after another. Why did he ask you to share his drink? Like, was it? Like, taste my drink. Like, oh, try this. This is good. And I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) Ew. So with after all these insults and I was like, no way we're into each other. But then he actually did ask me to go for another drink somewhere else. And I'm like, first of all, I'm still hungry. I haven't had dinner. (laughs) And second of all, uh, no. So thankfully, I just went home and that was the end of that. So nothing too crazy, but I just don't understand why people ask or, or say these crazy things on a first date and think that like... I don't know that we're in kindergarten, and if you insult someone, maybe that's flirtatious. No, those I don't insults know. are absurd. I mean, this guy must have so many issues with control, and that's why. I mean, everyone's online. I get it, but like, he probably is still not married unless he found someone that could put up with that BS that gives it right back somehow. Well, you know, the hardest part about all this is that, like, if you had met just in a social setting, what makes online dating so hard, or just even meeting—you can't even call it dating if it's just a meet and greet, right? But like. What makes it so hard is you can usually suss these things out. If you're just if you just met at a party or a fundraiser or a bar or whatever, you could like figure out, no, there's something off with this guy. But because you go there and you read their the the you know, the profile and the pictures are like the best ones. Obviously you photoshopped your smile. So you know, like (laughs) (laughs) So we all kinda lie or like try to put our best foot forward. But you can't you have no opportunity to like get rid of or like weed out people that otherwise you would be like, No, no thanks. You kind of go there expecting like, oh, or at least being hopeful. And that's why when when it doesn't turn out or when you have experiences like that, it's like, ugh. Yeah. And we even had a phone conversation beforehand that went really well. And so it was really shocking that in person, he maybe that's what happens when he gets nervous or something. I don't Could know. Be. Well, at least there's a happy ending to your story because now you are happily, blissfully married. That's true. And he does not. He he loves my <laughs> pictures. And he loves, and we watch movies all the time together. <laughs> and drinks. you're photogenic. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even photoshopped. I think he was just, I don't know. I think you're right. It's probably about control. He may have been intimidated. Maybe he thought you're too, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, that's just weird. Who knows? Yeah. Thankfully, I, I never saw or heard of him from him again. <laughs> so we were we were done. Well, it would be the worst if you like ran into this person later and you're like, oh, hey. <laughs> What if he listens to the podcast, maybe? (laughs) Then he needs to change his habits. You're listening, whoever you are. (laughs) 
Change your ways. We've got, we've got advice for you. All right, Laura, what's your most hilarious dating story? Okay, so mine is actually kind of the opposite from Erica's in the sense that it's the guy didn't do anything wrong. It was me. <laughs> so, so I was in this relationship for seven years. It was like my first and only boyfriend. It lasted forever. And when I finally was able to let that go because it definitely wasn't the right thing for me. I went into try the online dating and just like Erica, I met this guy on match.com and I thought he was really cute and I was really excited to go out. But I mean, I was like new to dating. I mean, I was like in my late twenties and I had never actually like really dated. So I was like brand new to everything. (laughs) And so he said, let's go out to dinner at this fancy restaurant in Scottsdale because I was living in Arizona at the time. Now I'm in San Diego, but I was living in Arizona back then. And I'm not a super fancy eater person. (laughs) So I was like, okay. And Scottsdale was a little bit away from where I live. So I ended up coming late, not on purpose. And that's like mortifying for me because I was raised to like being on time is late. Like you should be there early. (laughs) So I was so embarrassed that I was late and I was like, couldn't figure out how to find this place. So I finally arrived and he was like, oh, it's no big deal. And so we sit and we have this great conversation and he's like, oh, let's order some artichoke carts. Like the, like an artichoke cart, one of those big ones where they like deep fry it or something. Mm -hmm. And they serve it with a garlic aioli dip. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So that comes and we start to eat it and I grab like a big leaf of this artichoke and I put it all Uh-oh. of it in my mouth and I start chewing it. <laughs> you didn't know how to, to just, you didn't know the art the etiquette of art the artichoke. I had no clue the etiquette of the artichoke. So <laughs> I had never eaten one like that in my entire life. So I'm just chewing on this forever and it's not going away (laughs) and I like (laughs) I like look over at him and I I see these like little shells that he had put down so it was kind of like edamame where you like squeeze out the meat in the middle and then you put it down oh my god so I finally realized that's what you're supposed to do and I'm so embarrassed so I'm like trying to play it off and I'm hoping he doesn't notice (laughs) so I spit this like masticated wad (laughs) into my napkin as like secretively as I possibly can. And I kind of wrap ball it up in a little ball in my napkin and just put it in my lap and thinking, okay, it's fine. And we keep on talking. We like, it was a great time. <laughs> and towards the end, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the restroom. So I get up and I go to the bathroom and I come back and underneath my seat is this masticated ball of artichoke. <laughs> it had like fallen out of the napkin, like right there for everyone to see. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. So, oh, that was basically it. And I mean, the date ended up going all right. And I I saw him two more times and then it kind of just dissolved from there. But it was really embarrassing for me because I was like trying to come off like, you know, confident. (laughs) Yeah. And I had no, I was late. I had no idea how to eat this stuff. And it like fell out of my napkin. I just looked like, you know, hick girl or something. (laughs) has no clue. Like the big city. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. But he didn't even know. It sounds like. I mean, if he noticed, he didn't bring it up. So at least that was good. But that's a sign I mean, of a good man, actually. That's like, you know yeah. what? That's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> I know. So I have no idea to this day if he noticed at the earlier stage or in the later stage or it was on the floor. But oh, I went home and I just laughed and I just told all my girlfriends, and I was like, this is so embarrassing. But oh well. <laughs> but for the rest of your life. 
Laura, you will never forget how to eat an artichoke now. <laughs> oh, no, girls. I, I am the best eater of artichokes now. I got it. <laughs> Why do I think that my fabricated story is better than the truth? And why do I think you're not intelligent enough to deal with the fabricated, with with the truth? But you can deal with the fabricated lie. And so I just, you know, started having deep conversations. I sat my wife down, had a conversation, said, all right, three hours conversation. Um, Three hours speech, because she didn't say anything. And then she didn't talk to me for three days. And then uh, she said, if you were me, what would you do? I said, if I was you, I would leave me. You know, I'm an asshole. I'm this and that. She goes, yeah, but you're still putting it down. Still you. Still making money. Still with a family. And why would I let some other chick get an honest, no lying, money making sex symbol? You know, I get it. So, <laughs> so I said, so humble, right? Very so humble. Just inher- like Gandhi. We're inherited <laughs> the earth. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Gandhi was so humble. You want to eat? No, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, I also, she also has to deal with the honest truth. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it, period. And like I said, I'm going to be the best person I can possibly be because the best me is better for the world. So it's, you have to understand all of that. And somebody said, what does that mean? Hmm. If Beyonce said, oh my God, you're the best thing in the world. I want to sleep with you tonight. I'm calling her and say, you need to hold the camera because I'm about to kick it with Beyonce. Like, I need lighting. I need, uh, I, I need all kind of things. Cause, I need a DP. Yeah, we got to get this because there's going to be some DP. But I need. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Oh. Food Heals Nation. DP means director of photography. I don't know what they or were referring else. to. Yeah. Or something else. I have else. no yeah. idea what um. that could possibly mean. <laughs> <laughs> See on Fox, I would have got fired for making a joke. Not here. <laughs> I know you can't Not fire here. me. But that was it, and so she literally deals with somebody that tells the truth, and a lot of people don't like that. Women like honesty; they don't really like the truth. They like you to be honest. Did you go out with your friends yesterday? Yes. And walk away. Oh, well, it's yes. It's better than a lie. Right. Yes, I did. You did. Who was there? Tell them everybody was there. And what you guys do, probably talk to a whole bunch of girls. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Did you make out with anybody? No. Are you lying? No. And then girls leave it alone. Because girls think making out leads to sex. Guys think sex leads to making out. <laughs> so Interesting. You understand? Like Guys don't see it your way. Guys don't think, man, I start kissing her and I get her hot. Mm-mm. guys in their brain already think you're hot when you give us that look mm-hmm. so they go a little bit of foreplay that only happens when you're dating somebody Use like Amy Winehouse said uh, I, <laughs> I didn't kiss him and I didn't hold his hand I only held his hand to get the angle right like she was like <laughs> on this one song if you ever listen to Amy Winehouse Love is Blind mm-hmm. and that's what what she was saying she goes I just needed that right then it didn't have anything to do with you I just needed to be touched and felt guys are like that guys are like yeah man I just needed to feel like I conquered something right but they don't realize that they conquered nothing I had to realize when I was 30 in my 30s that I wasn't picking the women I used to think yeah we're gonna go to club I'm gonna talk to one I'm gonna talk her out of her stuff no your girls walk in and go oh he can get it 
oh, that one is going to get it. You know what? I want him. Oh, and, yes. We right. need the pickers. Right. But I didn't know that because right. they didn't tell me that. Right. So I tell my daughters that all day. I go, you remember, if it didn't rape you, it's your choice. Not his. Mm-hmm. It's your choice. There's not enough men for you to choose from. So the ones you pick are your choice. I'm I'm loving that you're telling your daughters that. Oh yeah, they, one of Giovanna hates that I tell her directly. You're supposed to be like a dad and push with me and grab me. I go, I'm a dad. I was picturing my dad saying that, and I was like, this would make me so uncomfortable. Right? Yeah, and it, it makes them. My daughter Tyler, like, it makes her uncomfortable when I go check out the difference. If I'm telling you, this is what I told Tyler. I said, you have my genes inside you. That means 23% of you is a freak. <laughs> right? It's guaranteed that 23 of those chromosomes are freak and adventurous and want to do things. Enjoy your experiences. Like, I got a guest house when she brings friends over. I never go on a guest house. She never has to worry about me walking by the guest house, knocking on the guest house door. Literally, it's as she's living in another state when she walks in the guest house. That is amazing. I don't think I've ever heard a father talk about that, about his, you know, yeah. how he views his daughter's experiences, right? Like, you're re- respecting the fact that she is her own individual, her own human. She needs right. to enjoy her life. She needs to enjoy and, and, and take care of her body and make her own choices. And be a better lover. Be a better, yeah. And Women don't know that guys better be burger, better that. lover. Better burger. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Have some good loving. Have a better burger. <laughs> so I know that you've dedicated over 20 years of your life to something that many people may not know about. So can you tell Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Yes. So I'm Imuna Malinovitz, and I'm the founder of the Sacred Love Academy, and I'm on a mission to help us have more love in our lives, true love, authentic love, juicy, connected love, soulful love. And I've been on this journey because 20 years ago, I was craving this kind of love. And I just had some seed planted in me that knew there had to be more to than what I was experiencing in the world. And I was quite disappointed with what I had felt in the level of relationships and connection. And so I went on a journey to discover, and it wasn't easy. You know, this information wasn't readily available. It wasn't something I could easily see. It wasn't being modeled by people. But I traveled around the world, and I discovered really the keys to getting in true attunement, love, connection with myself, with the universe. And from that alignment is when you can create really great intimate, powerful love. And that is such a healing force when we feel that loved and connected and aligned first with ourself, second with the universe and nature. And then when we can share that in an intimate relationship, there's a level of nurturing and love and connection that is so rich that many of us haven't got to experience. So I'm on a mission to help people have the tools to be able to experience that and to feel safe, to open to that. Well, it sounds incredible and I want more. So what do we do? (laughs) What are your steps? What are your tips? How do we achieve that? It's such a beautiful mission statement. And I would love to learn more about like your journey, what you did and how we can all achieve this beautiful love as well. Yeah, thank you. And so, yeah, it does sound really beautiful and awesome and amazing. And it's like, well, why aren't more and more people having this. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest things is fear. 
you know, even right now, as I'm tuning in and feeling your listeners and all of us on the call, I can feel in my own body, my heart starting to ache and starting to hurt. And it's pointing me to the fact that we have fears around opening to love, opening to being supported, opening to the connection that's here. We've been, you know, taught through our childhood or past relationships that we've been hurt in that we've thought maybe it wasn't safe, right? Or we've seen people not be successful in love. So we walk around with our heart guarded and closed and we wonder why we're not happy. So it's really tender to acknowledge that. And that's why it's so important to create a safe space for this love. That's the sacred part of it to me. Like it's really honoring that this love is a gift. And as humans, we've been wounded and hurt and we want that love, but we just haven't really been taught how to open. So I teach people simple ways to open, to connect, but also to heal and feel safe to go in and be with some of those things from the past, you know, and that's what I had to do on my journey. And let me tell you, this was not an easy journey, a fun journey. It was horrible to go through these things and feel this pain and desire love. And I learned all of these things through experience, you know, not getting it right having more pain, hurting, seeing my own patterns, seeing the ways I was blocking it. And I had to take an honest look at myself. And through that journey, I figured out how to help people get into what I call their own sacred soul alignment. And that's the place where we're connected in our heart. So we feel safe. We've explored our heart. We've healed some of the past pains. And You know, what's important there is being in a safe space where you can heal those things. Like our heart is meant to be open. We are meant to connect. But again, we can all think about places, times where we felt scared to open our heart. So in being in alignment with your soul, you work on opening your heart. You work on being connected also to a higher power. You know, when we feel filled up by something bigger than ourselves, and we're not looking to a person, a partner to fill us up, that is a whole nother level of being able to experience relationship. That's the golden ticket, right? It's the golden ticket because no one can make us happy outside of ourselves, really. And to put that kind of responsibility on someone, it's just some recipe for danger, right? Well, I can remember from my own personal experience, moments (laughs) when I've felt like that because I have not always consistently been able to carry that through time. But I remember moments of when I was just perfectly happy in my present moment. And I think I was much more attractive to others. I don't know. There's just a couple of moments in my life, but I remember getting that back. Like men, I'm heterosexual men being like so into me and I didn't care less because I didn't in that moment, I didn't need them. I was just having fun. And it was so magical. Yes, that's exactly it. And I love that concept. I don't need them. I was just having fun. There's a real difference in attracting a relationship from your desire to connect with someone from a whole place than from a need from someone to fill you up. And there's a different energy, like you said, that either repels or attracts because no one wants to feel that burden. But when someone is present and open, it's one of the most attractive forces there is, which is why when I help my clients who are single and want to attract this sacred love, partly getting them to open their heart and get into that alignment has them attract the most incredible partners that they could have. And, you know, you couldn't attract someone with an open heart. If your heart's open, you're going to attract someone with an open heart. 
if your heart's closed, you're going to attract someone with a closed heart. And so sometimes that's the good news and the bad news, because if you've been attracting people and you find out they're not as emotionally available that you would like them to be, or they're this or they're that, the good news is you can look at yourself and see where am I not open? Why am I attracting that? You know, and the bad news is we have to take some responsibility. But how awesome that we have the power to heal that, right? And that's what I saw in my own journey through those painful moments and self-reflection. I've now attracted the most incredible, connected, nourishing, beautiful, open-hearted, passionate relationship, you know, without losing myself in it. You know, I'm still very sovereign. I call it a sovereign partnership, right? And this is where you're still whole in yourself. You have a connection to your soul, to your purpose, but you also can have love and connection with another sovereign being. That's a whole nother level of relationship. But I think that this is where we're headed in terms of health, right? And being the healthiest version of ourselves and being the healthiest humans and having this love, you know, and then, you know, that leads me to the sexuality part. Because when you have two whole beings that are connected and their hearts open and they're able to be present and from that place consciously make love, consciously connect And then you can send that energy out. Like It's like such a gift to the universe to have two whole beings who've done that inner work to receive that love and then share that energy that's so cosmic and send it out. You know, that's very powerful healing and powerful manifestation as well. So there's so much more that's available in relationship that I think we're ready for as we evolve in our consciousness. And that's what... I'm here to help people just plant that seed so they know that they're not crazy. There is more, you know, because that's how I felt in my life. Why do I want this thing like so deeply and where is it? And I know there's a lot of people probably listening to this who have that yearning and want more. And so I, I just intend that my words right now be like a healing salve to say like, it's true, you're not crazy and there is more. Right. And part of the first step is just being willing to be open to know that, to hear this. You know, the fact that your listeners are hearing this, it's like, does this touch a place in your heart? That's when you know that it's true. And if it doesn't, then that's okay too, because I do know this path isn't for everyone. Yeah. And I think that there is such a misconception that we form about the concept of love because of the media and these outside things that we're bombarded with where every love story and every movie. And I I can remember specifically, it was Jerry Maguire and I was young when that movie came out. Okay. (laughs) But you guys know the scene. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So it's like the whole thing of the movie was all romantic and it was like, you complete me. Right. I thought at that I was young and I was still like, no one completes anyone. I'm complete myself. They can hang, for compliment you. me. I know. <laughs> but like, I'm impressed because I, I even everything I'm saying to you at that, when I first heard it, I was totally like, oh, that's so romantic. And that was part of the conditioning that I had to. I undo. hated, I hated that movie <laughs> for that reason. Right. I mean, because I, I, well, I I think at that time I kind of bought into it, but I was like, but no, like I hated the way it was set up. And then later, uh, later in life, I was like, oh yeah, that's because that's right. What Allison knew as a kid, like, yeah, no one person can like, what a freaking 
No wonder we have so many problems in our relationships. What a pressure to put on someone. Oh. You have to be everything to me and you have to fulfill me sexually and you have to take out the trash. And I mean, like so <laughs> right. much pressure, so much pressure. Right. And like, seriously. Yeah. Like so much pressure that you're the other part of me. You're the part of me that once you come in my life, we're going to sail off into the sunset. I mean, this is what we see movies about fairy tales about people are waiting for that, you know? And then it's like, then the thing that breaks my heart is when it isn't like that, because we don't have this information, people beat themselves up and think there's something wrong with them. Why can't they make relationships work? Why can't they find this person that's just going to make them happy? It's just, you know, that search of looking for things outside yourself. And really, this is about coming back within and finding that connection. And there's nothing more beautiful than finding somebody connect to their soul in that way, right? And be that source of joy and love. And then not only does it affect their love, you know, and their relationship, but it affects their purpose, their work, their health, because this is who we're meant to be, right? It's almost like we've been settling for scraps when there's a buffet that's like incredible that we can be eating. And so from your experience, um, earlier you mentioned, you know, closed heart attracts a closed heart. And people might be in a relationship right now where they're like, oh, you know what, that resonated with me. And I've been there. I understand that concept from my experiences. When my heart was closed, my boyfriend's heart were closed as well. I 100% get that. So right now for people that are listening, if you're in a relationship such as this, can you open your hearts together? And how do you do that? Or is it sometimes it's time to open your heart to what else could be out there for you? What do you think about that? Yeah, this is a wonderful point. And thank you for bringing it up. Because some people, yes, are probably listening to this. And either they're feeling yes, 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 this makes sense. And I'm feeling close with my partner. And, and maybe you have been contemplating whether it's time for the relationship to end. Because Here's the other truth about relationships. They're not forever. They're for as long as they're meant to be. Some are forever. Yes. Right? And some are for a week, a day, but doesn't take away the magnitude of that relationship in your life. But I think that's also like a rumor of, you know, uh, what we've been taught that it's supposed to last forever. And again, we beat ourselves up. So I think that one, <clears throat> some just have a time and a time to end and in my work, I want to help people find that truth together and then come to a place where they can end it in an honoring way, a way that honors the time that they spent together, a way that leaves them with their heart open rather than closed so that they go from that relationship to the next one with a closed heart. So that's one alternative for some people who may be ready to end and, you know, there's support in doing that consciously. The next level is for somebody who goes, yeah, we've been together and I feel distant. And, you know, a lot of the clients I've worked with, they've been together 20 years and they love each other. But in that 20 years, there's been hurts and things that they haven't spoken and things that build up and kind of clog the space between them, the sacred intimate space. But through getting back into connection, you know, through the simple practices that I teach to open your heart, to be together, to communicate in an intimate way, you can get back to that, right? But you have to be willing and you need to have a partner who's willing to go on that journey with you. But if they are, oh, there's so much richness that can be had, you know? So I don't want people to hear this and go, oh, it's too late for me. No, this is an, a reset point. This is an opportunity to say, wow, there is more and to be gentle and 
for those who are in a relationship, but maybe have a partner and they're going, oh, well, there's no way my partner would be into this. Like I'm doomed. My advice to that person would be do this for yourself. Find this connection, start to feed those parts of you that you're looking for them to feed. And then it may create and probably will miraculous things in your life. All right, Food Heals Nation, you have heard us talk about it so many times, but I am still obsessed with this company. It's Susie's very own CBD oil company, CBD Fountain. Susie, tell us everything. Really fast. Really fast. tell you really fast. Really quickly. All right. In a nutshell, (laughs) CBD is amazing. It helps your body fix itself if there's something to fix, and it helps keep you healthy. Uh, Our bodies actually create these compounds, and that's why if you take CBD from a plant, It boosts your endocannabinoid system, which is in your nerve cells, just like vitamin C, my favorite vitamin, boosts your immune system. That's the best analogy I can give you. CBD is beneficial. It's highly antioxidant. It's highly anti-inflammatory, and it helps with regulating the endocannabinoid system, which includes sleep, appetite, mood, pain, inflammation, and the immune system. So it helps with a lot of different stuff from any kind of autoimmune issues people have found relief to pain, to inflammation, just to keeping our bodies healthy. And the dogs like it too, right, Jackson? They do. I've, I've, I have pet stuff too. It's good for any creature with a spine. Uh, we all create these cannabinoids. There's no toxic level. You can never overdose. If you take too much, you take a nap. And my CBD is from hemp, so there's no psychoactivity from THC, um, which is good stuff. I think we need to end like on like what the drug commercials do, like side effects of this may include. And then you tell us all the side effects. Okay. <laughs> side effects may include a nap. <gasps> Happiness. Happiness. We did not Uh, plan that. (laughs) Anti-anxiety relief, uh, pain relief, stress relief. Peacefulness. Peacefulness. Take it before a meditation. Take it for a meditation. Take it for a trip. Take it for just general relaxation and health support. And my favorite flavor is the orange vanilla. I'm out. Oh, okay. I have to explain that. It's a lotion. So I have body lotions. I have tinctures. I have vape pens. I have capsules. Depending upon what you're dealing with is how you want to rub it in or take it internally. Website is cbdfountain.com. Enter the code FOODHEALS for 20% off from my beloved Food Heals listeners. Thank you so much for that discount. We really appreciate it. Of course. And also, we are giving away free gifts to Food Heals. With every order, you will get a beautiful Valentine's Day-inspired rose lip balm that I'm creating. Ooh. Yeah. Thanks, Susie. You're welcome. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And after going through pieces of Imago therapy and waited until I was in in a marriage or in a situation where I had someone to go with me. Can you briefly describe Imago? Sure. Imago therapy is really the creation of Harville Hendricks 30 years ago, where he, as a clinical psychologist, looked at patterns of people in their relationships and realized that people were choosing mates that reflected back their parents and some kind of core wound that they wanted yep. to get from their their parents but couldn't get. And then, of course, chose somebody who, who looked like their parent, mm-hmm. thought they could get it, and repeated the same pattern. Yep. So Imago therapy really is the idea that you choose your partners to heal the wounds of your past. Yes. Period. Yes. And All I just want to say, this is so true. I clearly resemble Dan's mother, and he clearly resembles my father. It is so 
true. <laughs> oh, and it's and it and I took that on pretty wholeheartedly when I first learned about it. And I took that on and started learning whatever lessons I needed to learn without even reading the whole book or doing any of the work in the book. Cause I thought I'd have to do it with somebody first. Well, that mm. was a mistake because when I actually did it with someone for the first time in a therapeutic situation and went through the workbook, which by the way, everyone can do on their own. Harville Hendricks, it's called getting the love you want, mm -hmm. getting the love you want. And there's a workbook that goes along with it. And on the third exercise, it's called creating your Imago. And we're going to do this at the event. Everyone's going to do it. And after I did this exercise, I literally said to the therapist, why isn't everyone everywhere in individual therapy doing <laughs> this exercise? Because this is not just about your chosen spouse. This is about every relationship in your life, the work you choose, yeah. like the things that you're trying to do to fill that hole in that gap and heal that wound. Like it blew me wide open. Yeah. And I, when you can, when I have that kind of response to something, I'm like, okay, I have to share it. I have to talk about it. So I was fortunate enough to have Harville on my show. I haven't published it yet, but I have a, him and I on a, on a video on zoom and I'm audio recording. It's over an hour and it's awesome. And he's amazing in this work. I really, 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 really strongly believe that if you're going to do any kind of couples therapy, that the only kind of therapy worth doing is Imago because then you're not going round and round in circles about why someone did what and how they reacted to it. It's all surface bullshit. Like get to the root of why you chose them in the first place. So, so to me, when it comes to relationships, although I do think that the Imago work can span over other things as well, doing that exercise of creating your Imago and really going back and looking at some of those wounds that you may not even remember happened and then how they're ruling your life. It's really empowering information, I think. I mean, I'm obsessed with this concept and I cannot wait to hear your interview. And I learned this not in the um, context of being called Imago therapy, but I learned this a long time ago. And you're exactly right. It doesn't only apply to the relationships we choose with our spouse, our partner. It applies to all areas of our life. And you will start to see it in your friendships, in your business partnerships, in your coworkers, whatever it may be. You'll start to see that dynamic and you'll be like, wow. And just like you, it, like you said, it, it's you open up and you're like, oh my gosh. And it's actually an opportunity to heal yourself. So instead of trying to change the other person, as we all do, we're all guilty of it. Okay. I'm still trying to change people and I know better. Okay. <laughs> so instead of trying to change the other person, what can I change about myself to heal this relationship? And then you can decide if that relationship mm. is worth staying in, whether it's a friendship or a work relationship or a spousal relationship. Mm. Yeah, def definitely. I'm all, I'm all on the empowering yourself and taking responsibility for the stuff you bring into every relationship. Yeah. And when I, when I saw, so how the quickly, just how it's set up is you fill out all these pages and you're thinking, Oh my God, Oh my God. And some of it's positive and some of it's not. And then you get to the end and you tie it all together, like in a neat little bow. And that last page is where the magic happens. Yes. And when I got to that last page and I went, Oh my God, I saw what I did and I stopped doing it immediately. It was so clear. And same thing for my husband. I, I, although he didn't finish his sheets and we are now no longer together. But when he did, when I finally asked if I could finish his sheets and I took a look at what he had on there, uh, I, I got to see very clearly what, how he reacts when he doesn't get what he wants, which gave me information to work with and sit with and process for months to decide, do I want to stay with someone who is not going to take this on? If you can't even finish this last page of the homework to understand your habits and patterns, we probably, I'm never going to have a partner who actually wants to be in this marriage. So I really, I just think it's amazing work both personally, as well as for any relationship, friendship, you know, spouse. Um, it gives you a lot of information.
100%. I'm looking forward to it now, hearing more from you about it. JJ, I know you've shared it with me in the past, but this sounds even better the way you've just described it. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to do this work. Okay, good. I'm glad because it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, we can, we can complain about the other people in our lives to some degree, only so much, but we have to remember that they're in our lives for a reason. We resonate somewhere with them about something. And there's, there's a reason that they're there. And I've done a lot of work. I mean, my whole podcast was built out of the work I did on myself and the work I wanted to do in my marriage. And so I can't, everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to. There was no mistake. There was no wrong turn. It was all an uncovering. And I think that that's the consciousness piece that talking about your first show, Consciously Speaking, and the work you're doing with businesses and what Ali's doing with Food Hills Podcast. You know, we, we talk about this on all of our shows because it you can't disconnect it. And I think when you actually can take responsibility in a positive way, not to judge yourself, not to beat yourself up, but to say, you know what, if I'm the creator of my own reality, and I don't like something that's going on, what am I responsible for and what can I do about it? And then you have something to do. Yeah. But if you just stay in the place of, oh, I'm a victim to um, the spiritual bullshit that we mentioned earlier. Oh, I'm called to do the it. Bypass. Or, the bypass. Or, oh, yeah, but it's yeah. that person. That person's holding me back. And, you know, I never felt held back. but And so I never acted like that. And because of that, I, I constantly chose to just educate myself, to pull back the curtain, to dig a little deeper. And at the same time, everybody, in case you're like, oh, my God, that sounds like so much work. Um, I, at the same time, I also have a good time. Like I, I'm about getting into a high vibration. I'm all about manifestation and law of attraction. And so, you know, you want to have a good time. You have to be there. You visualize it. You make, you know, you just create your world the way you want it to be. And so as much as on one side, yeah, there's a little bit of diving to do and it's uncomfortable, but on the other side, there's freedom and joy and passion. And I've manifested an amazing situation now. And I keep manifesting better and better and better, better stuff. My life is great. And so what if along the way you cry a couple times, you get frustrated or you make a mistake or you a failure that teaches you something. That's the balance. That's what consciousness is. So tell us a little bit about how you became a love coach and, you know, how you struggled with the question of what is love? What was love and the self-loathing loathing that you experienced? Can you go into that a little bit to really show us how you got to where you are? Sure. So I had become employed many years ago now, as the years passed by so quickly. And I came across a book I liked, and I happened to meet the author and her business partner, and they asked me to do some marketing for them and some business development. And so I started doing that, and they said, hey, you know what? We're starting a coaching program, and it's basically a love coaching program, and we want you to do it. And I'm like, oh, no. I can't sit there for four days and I have ADD. No way. You know, she called me, her husband was calling me, everybody was calling me, you have to do this. You're getting this for free, blah, blah, blah. So I did it. And it's something that comes naturally to me anyways, because when I look back on my corporate career and also having been a business owner, I was always coaching people. So what ended up happening is this is a love coach thing and I'm trying to figure out how to love myself. And this really actually was part of my evolution because the kind of coaching it is is ontological coaching, which is mind, body, spirit. When I look at it now, I look at where I was and how I didn't care about myself and I, in relationships, didn't show up fully for me. In fact, I think a lot of women do this and men because I coach men too. But a lot of women will tend to give themselves away, right? They don't show up and they are not 
there for themselves. So if the guy says, hey, I want to do this and that and the other thing, and then you go, okay, and you're always saying okay, and you're always trying to please them, well, that was me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I also pick dysfunctional relationships to do this in as well. No one ever does that. What do you mean? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I had this sort of epiphany. I was standing there in the middle of the road and I thought, oh my God, this problem isn't this guy. This problem is me. Like it dawned on me that I had an issue and that it was my issue because I thought it was also perfect. It dawned on me that it was my emotional issue. And so I made a vow at that point in the middle of this dysfunctional relationship that I was going to see it through to the end until I had emotional clarity and resolution and would know what the heck my deal was. And so it was kind of like this long journey of learning to speak up for myself and say what was truthful without blaming the other person, you know, taking full responsibility. And that was hard to do, but that was a big part of learning to love myself, like find my voice and actually say the things that were true. How do you encourage people that you work with to move into that place of self-love and access their intuition? And how did your story kind of shape that? Well, because I had this experience, and the other thing I should add is in this relationship where I, I caught myself, I basically suffered from anxiety all the time. And the thought of leaving, because I left several times, would cause me so much physical discomfort and emotional discomfort. And, you know, he'd always come back and I'd always be like, no, get away. But the bottom line was, whether he was around or wasn't around, I was suffering from all this anxiety, all this pain, all this um, unrest. And so, what ended up happening is, you know, I got rid of it. I don't have anxiety anymore. In fact, I don't suffer from it at all unless it's hormonal. Um, but that's a different story. (laughs) Um, Tracy, you have a great laugh. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And so I had, I had a lot of anxiety and when my clients come to me, a lot of them are in that same place. And so I've been there. I know what it's like, but I also know the way out of it. And, you know, it's where I get people who have had, let's say, a soulmate relationship. That's what they call it because it's so intense and they can't let go. And it could be a past relationship they can't let go of. So I help people to really start to identify on a deeper level because I have to get them out of their head what they're, why they have that story, right? Why they have a belief system that would say, hey, it's really cool to accept table scraps of love from somebody, if that you even want to call it love. And somewhere inside of you, there's a part of you that says, it's okay. This is what I deserve. This is what I'm worth. This is my value. So I help people to eliminate or at least lessen those beliefs. And I help them to see the patterns that they have. And that's really intuitive, When I can start to see their patterns and I see why they're creating what they do in their lives. And so, in essence, they feel like they've been set free. They feel like they're able to actually live a life that they want. Like they're listening to their own voice. They don't have a million voices in their head saying, hey, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. You know, when you grow up and you're supposed to be perfect and you're supposed to be a doctor and they let go of all of that and they really learn what taking care of themselves and self-love truly is. Can I ask a question here? Um, you mentioned sure. soulmates. Yes. Can we talk about that a little bit? What, in your opinion, is a soulmate? Is there just one? Is it just romantic? What Can you talk expand on that a little bit? 
Sure, sure. It's so funny. (laughs) Because that's always one of those that if you look it up on Google, you see about 50 different definitions for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I have my opinions, I'm sure. Allison has hers. I want to hear yours. <laughs> <laughs> so how I would define it is basically there are plenty of people. This is my personal belief, by the way. So if anybody has a problem with it, it's my belief. I'm not looking for other people to accept it. So, so you're saying it, don't give your, don't have people uh, emailing you. No, you're wrong. That's <laughs> Don't tweet her. <laughs> don't tweet her. <laughs> just, just an opinion. Yes. Well, because I mean, they're going to go, you you can't, never mind. I'm going to get into a whole philosophical conversation about it. So oh, we love that. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, everybody has their opinion and their belief and I'm not here to change anybody's beliefs. Just like, you know, somebody's not going to change my beliefs. So soulmates, I believe that we have a soul group and that we reincarnate and that there happens to be people that we're connected to and it can come in any form. You know, it could be a love relationship, it could be a friendship, and and I feel that way because there are people that you meet and you have this instant rapport, some kind of, right, the familiarity, and to me, that calls it. Now, I also do believe that you have certain relationships with people, so you learn lessons, and most of those come as intimate love relationships because that's where you do learn the most because that's where you're the most vulnerable, so, in essence, I believe a soulmate, and it, and it can end in marriage and riding off into the sunset, but it also can be something where, hey, it's just a huge lesson, and the reward is what you actually allow yourself to learn. That's that's pretty much my belief about soulmates. Okay, so I've never heard about a soul group. Allie, have you heard a soul group? That makes so much sense to I me. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Because I definitely meet people... Where I'm like, I've known you before. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just an instant rapport. There's an instant kind of familiarity. But I've yeah. never heard of that term. That I, I love that. Thank you for, for answering my question. <laughs> you know, like, I look at my life and, like, this relationship where I had this epiphany, I thought he was a soulmate of mine. Because the thing is, there was a lot of connection on many different levels. It wasn't just, oh, he's familiar to me. There were other things. And part of it is psychological. Because, hey, he kind of reminds me of my dad, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so you've got that going on. But there were other things, too, that really kept me connected to him. And that was part of the reason why I made that vow to myself. Because I felt like I couldn't let go. Like, I was connected to him whether I wanted to be or not. And because I'm also psychic, I knew when he was thinking about me. And whether I wanted to or not, by the way. Wow. Uh, Really? Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> how does that, I mean, that's that to me is like a great film. Like, how does that complicate a love relationship? Like, really? I know you were thinking about me at 2.15. Because most right. girls are like, is he going to text me back? Is he busy? <laughs> you actually know. <laughs> I, I, I did. For the most part, I could tell when he was going to contact me. I could still tell if he was going to contact me. Oh. Um, it's just, it was a connection I had to him, which made this even more difficult for me to let go of. And, you know, but I was going to say he wasn't the first person who I had a connection with. I had somebody else who called me his soulmate, and this is many years ago. And he's still in the, I don't want to say he's in my life. He's just someone who, hey, he gets my newsletter, you know, <laughs> um, things like that. But yeah. <laughs> 
but he's not a, a close personal friend. And so, <laughs> but yeah, I think you can have more than one soulmate too. Cause I know you asked that and I, I, because your soul group, you don't know. And also I think in different incarnations, you might have different members of your group incarnating with you. So yeah, I think that as human beings, we like to add a lot of drama and tension and other things, you know, that, that sort of complicate everything, including a relationship or what we would call a soulmate relationship. And I, I, I tend to think it's a lot simpler than we make it out to be, you know, like, oh my God, this is my love forever in every lifetime and we're never going to be separated. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, who knows, but I just, I, I think that that's more of a human idea, you know, a man-made yeah. idea. And I think it's so important to think about, and I don't want to, I don't want this to come off as negative, but when you die, you die alone. And so if you don't have that self-love, dying alone sounds like the worst thing ever. But the truth is, if you love yourself, it's the best thing ever. And that soulmate or that group of soulmates, they are just complementary to your wonderful, exotic, beautiful being, right? And yeah. um, when we're speaking about incarnations, I just have to bring up a story because I don't think I've ever told this on the podcast. Susie. Oh, but see, it, maybe I have, but I really don't remember doing it. So I would love to get into past lives and, and reincarnation if Tracy is so inclined. But um, I was about five years old, let's say. I'm not sure. Anywhere from four to six, I don't remember. Um, but I remember the story and my parents remember the story. So it definitely happened. I just walked into their bedroom one day and I was just like, just so you guys know, this is just one of my lives. Like I've had so many lives. I was like telling them stories. Okay. Like I was like, once I was in this flood and like, it was really scary, but like I made it, but like my best friend didn't, it was really sad telling them stories about life, lifetimes I had had. And my parents just sat there and were like, because I would do skits and play. So they're like, oh, this is another one of You Allie's. recreated your past lives? Apparently. Like, it was <laughs> wow. just another one of my plays or my skits or whatever. But I think I was really in tune at a young, at a young age. And I remember them saying, uh... Did you like hear about reincarnation at school or from a babysitter or something? And I'm like, rein what? Like, I don't know what the hell that is. I'm telling you about my stories. Listen to my stories, damn it. You know, like in a <laughs> five-year-old voice, whatever it would be. Type and, A. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the co-host is type A. <laughs> type A that remember her past lives. So the, yeah. I've got some intuition. It's a little blocked by the type A, but I'm working on it, ladies. I'm working on it. But the point is, is that I didn't realize how actually interesting and important that was until I was older. Like, oh, I was very, very in touch with something, you know, my intuition or something deeper back then that I blocked as I got older. Well, kids often are. Yes. Okay, Susie. So speaking of online dating, how did you meet your hubby? So we met on OkCupid mm -hmm. and he hit me up. Because I, I developed, after my disastrous uh, results, I developed rules for myself. I was like, I'm going to try this again. I'm going to not take it seriously. I don't expect anything. This is just to play. This is just to, you know, increase my skills about meeting new people, meeting, going on blind dates. And see, and that's it. And I, I did not expect it to work, but it did. And so he hit me up and we had some, you know, emailing back and forth on the site and he was really sweet. And then I, he sent me a link to a Coldplay song, which because I have green eyes, he sent me the link to green eyes. And I don't know why, but I, I just didn't respond because it wasn't like an engaging, it was really sweet, but it wasn't like an engaging, it wasn't a question or something. And I kind of just, I don't know if I was, tech, you know, writing other men or whatever, but I just Aww. disappeared for a couple of weeks. 
poor guy. And then he like wrote back, but he wrote back. Yeah. And he's like, hey, where'd you go? Or something like that. And then I continued in, like, as long as he would ask, ask questions, I would, like, kind of engage. And he was cute. I found him attractive. And you never know who, what you're going to get. You never know if the pictures are correct. Right. Pictures- is it their picture from 10 years ago? Exactly. Or current day? Exactly. But his, or some, and sometimes people just don't look the way they look in photos. Mm-hmm. Or they're making an interest or a, a different face or something. I don't know. It's very odd. Yeah. But he looked like his, then we moved to the phone because I had rules. I was like, I need to hear, I'm a voiceover artist and, and we're on a podcast. I need to, I'm very vocally focused. Mm-hmm. I, this is for the next time we talk about this, but I once went and met a guy that sounded like Mickey Mouse. Like I couldn't, I needed like a, a nice wow. deep voice. Yeah. He sounded like Mickey Mouse and that was just a turn off. When I met him in person. Yeah. Cause it was just, he was, ve- he was a very handsome guy, but he had this very high pitched squeaky, almost Mike Tysony kind of voice. And I was like, I, oh my God, I, c- <sighs> I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't. And voices do say a lot about people. And I actually, it's funny. I was talking to my husband the other day and that we heard some guys, I forgot it was on the T, te- it was on the television or on, on YouTube or something. I forgot. And there was someone, I can kind of tell when people aren't in their authentic voice. I can tell mm. when they're kind of putting it on. Yeah. They're not kind of, they're not grounded. It's, and it, I, yeah. I totally hear And it's what probably you're because I, I voice act, right? So I know how to put it on for myself. And then I can tell when someone's not breathing from their gut and they're not really being in their own voice. That's really interesting. So I heard that and I was like, Oh God, that guy's voice is awful. And my husband's <laughs> like, why are you being so judgmental? But like I could, the, so it was with this date, I just Skype. Yeah, it didn't work out, but it wasn't meant to. So back to our story. So, But that's how you formulated one of your rules. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important because when Mike and I talked on the phone, you know, it's nerve wracking meeting someone online. But when we talked on the phone, it was, he was, he was always really easy to talk to. That's That's just one of my husband's many great qualities. It's just really easy to talk to. And when I was talking to him, I felt like I knew him for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that's probably always a good sign, right? Like, Yeah, one of your soulmates, mm-hmm. as Tracy Crossley would say. That's right. Which is a soul group. Soul group, soul yeah. Group. Someone from your soul group. That's right. And so I, we talked for a half hour. What kind of first conversation on the phone with someone is a ha- It was a half hour. So you were really connecting. We were just, it, it never, it's not, he didn't run out of things to say. He was really personable. He was really charming. He was really engaging. He was obviously interested because, I, like I had said, I had already stopped responding to him. But mm-hmm. it was just kind of, it was easy. That's it was great. easy. Yeah. And so then I said, okay, let's just, let's meet. And this is actually very cute. I was driving to meet him at this bar on Franklin, which is right by, uh, right by, oh, what's that canyon? Beachwood. Right mm-hmm. by Beachwood Canyon. Yeah. This place called Franklin and Company. This I hadn't been there, but it looked like a cool bar. And I was like, "Oh, let's meet there." And I'm dri- and it's not that far from my house. And I'm driving there, and I happen to look in my rearview mirror, and I see a guy that looks like him in a silver convertible with shades on and the top down. And I was like, "Oh my god, oh I my think god. that's him." <laughs> and I just happened because there was traffic, and I just happened to notice it. Normally, I don't think I, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of weird. I've never met him. I've seen pictures of him. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that's him. Should I call him? I'm like, no, no, no. I'll just wait. I'll get to the place and see if that was him. Oh my God. So, so I funny. get there and, and he's late, even though he's right behind me. And um, Did he have to get some liquid courage in the car? Or no, he's having a gas late? apparently. But okay. he comes up, I'm sitting at the bar. He comes up behind me and he, um, my husband is many, wears many hats, but one of his jobs in his past was salesman and he knows NLP, neuro linguistic programming, mm-hmm. which is a technique that's useful in life just generally but he comes up behind me and he puts his hand on my low back which that's is hot. An, yeah it is but it's an nlp thing mm-hmm. it's like to establish 
a connection and establish like safety. Yeah. And he's like, Susie. And I turned around <laughs> and it's him. It was the guy that was behind me. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And so I'd asked him, he's like, yeah, I stopped to get gas. I was like, you were behind me. Mm-hmm. And so I had the, uh, the next rule was that I could stay or I, w- I had to stay for one drink or coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. That if I met someone and it just didn't work out, I gave myself permission to get the hell out of there. If I f- like I was going to trust my gut. Good for you. And so we had one drink. And we had another, and mm. we had some food. Mm-hmm. Three hours pass. Wow. We hang out for three hours, and all of a sudden, I start to freak out, like <laughs> internally. When I re- when I looked at my my phone, I'm like, oh my god, like I've hung out, I've been here for three hours. Like I, I didn't expect it to work. I didn't expect the guys I'd met before were kind of, some of them were nice guys, some of them were trolls. I didn't expect it to all work out. And so I kind of freaked out and I was like, I have to go. I have to go feed my dog. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) So so I kind of got out of there. But he was very persistent. He kept, we we had a couple, actually, so that meeting was really great. Our first actual date was not very good at Hmm. all. So that, so like we had, that was our meeting, right? We met. Yeah. Then we established we're going to go to dinner. And he said, he was new to town. So he's like, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? I said, okay, let's go to First Fridays in Venice. I thought that would be fun. Uh-huh. That's a horrible first date suggestion because... It's very hard to get to. It's very hard to get to. <laughs> Unless you live there. But we went in his convertible. And then... That's nice. There was, you know, there's food trucks. There's a ton of people. It's just very crowded. We had to walk around. We're trying to get to know each other over our shoulders, eating, you know, things off sticks. It was just not... It was not a great... It was totally my fault. We wound up going and sitting down in this restaurant. I don't remember the name of it. It was, I would never go back there again. It was supposed to be super healthy, but it was the kind of place that like we sat at the bar. Everything was packed. Mm-hmm. We sat at the bar like, oh, can we have some bread? And they just look at us and like, we don't do that here. God. I'm like, oh, okay. It's one of those. Okay. Uh-huh. Sorry that I asked for gluten. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it just wasn't. It was okay. Just there was no chance for romance. There was no chance for a further connection. It was just kind of like Ugh. it's very crowded. There's a lot of people. It was bad. And I and I still walked away from that going. He's this really sweet, nice guy, and and I like him. Maybe we'll just be friends. Anyway, he had picked me up from a place, and I left my car because I was already halfway to the to the beach. When we, he dropped me back to the car, I gave him a kiss on the cheek. I got out and I got in my car, and I had to go get gas. And when I pull into the gas station. He's there. No way. Yeah. Why is and he always getting gas? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But the fact that like there's like these little things that I don't necessarily like one or two or whatever. I'd be, but there was these little things happening that I was like, yeah. oh, this is interesting. And he was there and he like gave me another hug. And those are signs. There are signs. And then from there thereafter, like, and he we he waited to make any moves. Like I still I still think that I probably made the first move to kiss him. They'll, he'll argue if we had him on the podcast, he'd argue with me about it, but it was 4th of July. So on our fourth date, we finally smooched, That's which is kind of a while. Yeah. Like, so I was still like, oh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll just be friends. I don't know. Right. And that was fine. You know, at this stage of the game, being an adult, it's like, you don't need to rush into it. Yeah. No. I mean, if you feel the urge, go for it. If it's mutual, go for it. But like, it was just, it was different. It was almost like he was playing a little hard to get, which, that's, I mean, that makes a girl come running. Yeah. So just like yeah. it makes a guy but come running. But he was running. super confident. He didn't, he wasn't, you yeah. know, he wasn't out to prove anything. Yeah. He was just, he was just himself. He was comfortable. He was comfortable on the phone. He was comfortable in person. It was just, it was easy. And that's why I kept going out with him. And that's why I kept, you know, spending time with him. And yeah. 
just was easy. That's interesting because ours was very similar in terms of like, it took a long time for us to get physical. <laughs> like I was like, okay, we're just friends. And yeah. I knew there was a tr- an attraction, but he wasn't chasing after me either. And I wasn't chasing after him. So there was a friendship first, not for long, but it was just a different way of going about things than guys I had dated in the past that were just went after it. And that, you know, in t- I have to say in general, I find that happens more in LA. Really? Yeah, that guys are a little bit more... In New York, they're much more aggressive. Really? I don't know. I can't speak for the rest of the country. (laughs) (laughs) But in your experience. In my experience, I find that in LA, guys are a little bit more like, I'm going to play it cool. They're smoking too much weed, I think. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so go on. Well, how I met Dan, my husband, is we lived in the same apartment complex. So we had this great setup where all the apartments looked out onto a pool. It was very Melrose Place. Melrose Place? In the middle of Hollywood, like where Susie lives now, um, next to Runyon Canyon, like very central, very trendy, where everyone goes to walk their dogs at Runyon and go running and everything like that. And um, so we lived in this apartment complex. My apartment was on the third floor, looked out to the pool. His was on the second floor, looked out to the pool. And my friend Jill lived on the first floor and looked out to the pool. And if I I was like 25 and I'm like, if I wanted to find out what was going on that night, I just went to my balcony and would go, hey, what's going on tonight? <laughs> and someone would respond. <laughs> like everyone was new to Hollywood. Yeah, it was totally Melrose Place. Everyone had a dream and a goal, you know, whether it was, I mean, Jill was a teacher, but some people wanted to be actors. Like one of my roommates wanted to be an actress. The guys in, in their apartment, they were all wanting to be in the film industry. Some already were, you know, so everyone is like working on their dream, living in this like really, you know, decent, they were decent apartments. They weren't shitty. They weren't fabulous. They were kind of in the middle. But so we met because we were neighbors and it was kind of like living in the dorms. You know, when you live in the dorms and everyone just hangs out with who yeah. lives in the dorms and like yeah. my dorms were co-eds. We had guys across Mine the hall. Too. Yeah. And so it was that experience and we would like play pranks on each other or we would like, you know, walk our dogs together. Or we would go hike together. Or we would go drink together. So there was like this little community of all people around the same like four or five years of age, right? And so there was a couple older people, a couple younger people, but all feeling like they were in the same generation of new to LA trying to figure it out. So it was really fun. And at first it was more of a friendship. And I remember I was on a date, he was on a date and we all walked down together from our apartment with a big group. Oh my God. Yeah. To um, (laughs) the Roosevelt Hotel. Yeah. And I remember I was on a date with another guy, but I was definitely checking him out. But I was like, we're just friends. Like, whatever. I'm on a date with this guy. You're on a date with this girl. But it wasn't, it was probably like a week or two later that we were on a date with each other. Did so, he ask, so he asked you out? Well, Because no. also guys in LA can be like, well, what are you doing? You want to no. hang out? We can get... That's not, he did ask me out, but not yet. So then the next thing that happened was we had three girls at a bar and he called me and he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm at this bar. And he drove to the bar. Just like, okay, let's hang. Like, all right. So that night we all hung out and then we went back to my apartment, which wasn't weird. It wasn't like a date going back to my apartment. Like we just all went back to my apartment. Right. He lives in the building. It's no big deal. But slowly everyone left and he stayed. I love stayed. how you add footnotes. <laughs> what did I You're say? You're adding all details in case someone might think the wrong thing. You're like adding like, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, just so you know. Just, okay. So that was, okay. I love it. But yeah, it wasn't like I'm coming up to your place. It was like we all went back to my <laughs> yeah, place yeah. and that was completely normal because like we would be hanging 
hang out at his place or our other neighbor's place on a regular basis. So then everyone slowly left and there was like a late night TV show on like the tonight show or something. And he stayed. And then I, I think he walked out to go to the door and I like walked him out and he turned around and kissed me. And I said, don't ever do that again. <gasps> Drama. <laughs> you did? Yes. How long was the kiss? Um, was it a, like a quick kiss? No, it was a like real kiss. Why did you say don't ever? Wait, okay, so explain. Because Footnote we, it. Because we were neighbors and I was like, I don't want this to get weird. Are you being professional? Because we're friends. And I would have done the opposite. It's going to get so weird because <laughs> we all hang out and then it's going to be like, are they, aren't they? What are we? Blah, blah, blah. And so he goes, okay. And then he left. And then... Basically, we were making out again within a week. Ah. <laughs> and then, he, well done, Dan. Yeah. And then he did <laughs> invite. I hear me. what you say, and I'm not going to follow it. <laughs> yeah. He did say that he backed off, and then he could tell that I was sending him signals, which I will deny until the day that I die. But he says that mm-hmm. he got the signals from me, so then he was just like, "Okay, obviously, we're going to make these, out these again." Signals were. We should have invited it. the boys to the podcast yeah. to tell their version of the story. That would be interesting. That would be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really funny so then he did take me out on a proper date and we were dating ever since and we then should i play the newlywed game on the show <laughs> okay well i've been with mine for 10 years so we if we don't kick your ass there's a problem yeah like yeah if we don't beat you it's true we, we should divorce <laughs> <laughs> she's a podcast host world-renowned keynote speaker and teacher best-selling author world traveler recipe developer, and recently got engaged in Bali. Please welcome Sahara Rose. Congratulations. Thank you guys so much. And that's an epic way to introduce me. (laughs) (laughs) Multifaceted. Can we hear about Bali first, just because? Yeah. I mean, I was in Bali by myself this past June. I'm writing my next book and I was already there for two weeks alone. It was like my second to last day. And my friend is like, I know a photographer, she'd love to do a photo shoot with you. So I'm like, okay, free content. So I went, was taking the picture. Someone pinched me from behind. I turn around and I see my then boyfriend. And I was like, wait, what? Am I hallucinating right now? And there he is on his knee proposing to me. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? I I didn't even hear. I just kind of like blacked out because I had been talking to this like shaman earlier. I was like, did she like sip, uh, slip some ayahuasca in my water or something? Like what is (laughs) happening? Like, and yeah. And then we got engaged and we ended up staying in Bali for longer and we're getting married in Hawaii next year. Wow. Congratulations. What a great story. Thank you. Yeah. Very romantic of him. Oh my God. Mine is kind of similar, except I was with my husband, but he said it was around the holidays. And so we were at this winery. We had done this wine trip with a group of our friends and it was just before Christmas. And um, he was like, let's, I wanted to take a picture really bad to like make a holiday card. Like, you know, happy holidays from the engaged couple, you know, like everyone wants to do. Okay. Um, and so he's like, let's go take the picture. Let's go take the picture. I'm like, Dan is really into this picture. Like, what is, what is it? So he's like, let me take some of you. So he's like, has me turn around to like, look out on the winery at like the grapes and whatnot. And and he's like, okay, look away. And I'm going to take some from behind. I'm like, okay. So he's clicking the camera and he's like, okay, turn and face me. And I turn around and he's down on one knee with the ring. We got to give these guys some points. they're working hard. <laughs> pretty creative, but mine didn't fly to Bali. That is pretty impressive. <laughs> no, but that's beautiful. I love that story. <laughs> I totally believe in the power of quickies in general, specifically with meditations. <laughs> sure. I have done, I have been successful in doing that. So they'll come over 
I'll, I'll meditate them and lead them through a certain meditation. I'll play music. I'll set up the scene. And then they're like, so like, you know, they feel great because I'm really good at leading meditations. And then it's just kind of like uh-huh. on from there. Yeah. Oh, this is yeah. hot. So does it turn them oh on? Oh my God, it too? turns them on. They're like, first of all, they're calm, they're relaxed. They feel less stressed. So they're happy about all that. They're like, how did you do that? Like, I feel like so good. Men are really easy to meditate, by the way, just in general. Um, if anyone, like if anyone has a limiting belief around that, like, oh, I have men in my meditation class there. I actually think it's easier to meditate with men than it is with women sometimes. Um, they, they, yeah, I hear yeah, you. cause they're very one track mind. So it's easier for them to just kind of fall in unless they're super skeptical. But for the most part, it's, especially if they have some kind of connection with you and trust you in some capacity, I mean, trust you enough to come over to your house, then you can meditate them. So they just feel really good and relaxed. And then they're also like very impressed. And when a guy is impressed by you, I mean, that's, that's some good stuff. <laughs> That's foreplay. That's foreplay. When a guy is impressed, like now you are like the prize, right? Because it's like, oh, I have totally like shown you like my value and why I'm so awesome. And like, I know that now you get to see why too. So what's a fun meditation that we could practice either with a date or with our boyfriends or with our husband? Like, so what I like to use when I use meditation, I like, um, like EDM trance kind of music. So anything kind of trancey, um, kind of has like a, a slow beat to it that just kind of, you know, not like porno music. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not like that crazy creepy, but I really like like Porter <laughs> Robinson. He has some really good tracks. Um, if it, you guys can follow me on Spotify, you can find some of my my jams on there. What's your Spotify? Uh, so it should be under Daniel Mercurio, my name. Um, I'll give you the the link. But I think if you search Daniel Mercurio, you should find me. Um, Kundalini Groove. There's some good ones on that uh, playlist. I should just make one labeled Man Magnet. Ah, right? yes, Man Magnet it. Meditations. I mean, you need to buy that domain yeah. right now before someone I'm else. Writing this down. <laughs> Okay. I'm writing this down. Okay. See, inspiration happens when you're podcasting too. You never know when it's going to happen. Never you never know when it's going to hit. You never know. So yes, something like that. Something that has like a good beat to it. Don't don't play like a Kundalini track. Like that's going to throw them off, right? Or like anything like super Indian infused. Like that might throw them off. You don't want them to think it's like weird or woo woo. Not when you're introducing them to this, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Like one time I got a, I brought a guy over and, we, and I showed him my Ouija board. That was not, and I saged him. That was not a good idea. That was when I was still like (laughs) new to spirituality and I was introducing drinking again. That was not a good idea. So anyway, this is amazing. Come over and let's play Ouija board. And wait, let me sage. Yeah, I saged him. And then I was like, who do you want to call in? And he was just like, I think I want to call in the police. Like, this is crazy. I can't, I can't do this. I should leave. Um, never heard from him again, but, uh, so Play some good jams, nothing too woo, nothing too out there. I wouldn't sage. I would just keep it normal. Sit on the floor if you have some cushions or something. And then just sit cross-legged together. And I would do something very simple because they don't, you know, again, you don't want to like freak them out too much. So what I like um, is this one where it helps with communication. So what you're going to do is it's called a mudra. So mudra is when you put your fingers in certain positions for meditation Um, (laughs) and pleasure. Not those kind of positions. (laughs) So you take your thumb and you bend down your pinky finger. So your thumb is going to go on top of the nail of your pinky. And then your other three fingers are going to shoot out. So your index, middle, and ring fingers are going to shoot out. And then you just place them on top of your knees. And then what you do is you do a simple breath in through the mouth, 
and out through the mouth. Again, we want to be focusing on the mouth here, right? Especially if it's a guy you're into, you're looking for some connection. Mm-hmm. You want him breathing in and out of his mouth. So just soft breaths in through the mouth and then out through the mouth. The eyes are closed looking downward. Just kind of this experience of them just kind of holding this pose. Their eyes are closed. They're focusing on the O mouth. And and also breath work that's done throughout the mouth is more distracting for the mind than through the nose. So it's um, harder to drift off when you're doing mouth breath. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. So that's something because you kind of have to think a little more. So it, it or not yeah. think a little more. You, you have to be deliberate in your breath. So then it doesn't give you a chance to think about other things and drift off. So do that for like you know, three to five minutes or whatever the course of the song is. And you can just tell them that this helps open up communication. Um, it's going to promote less stress. It's going to help them clear their mind and just, yeah, and just take them through it. And if you want to, sometimes I'll say some things during it. I don't know, just to kind of pep them up a little bit, like during it. I mean, like, give us an example. You have to go there now. Okay, so like the song's playing, and and I I don't start talking right away. Like, first I'll guide them, right? Like, just like close your eyes and you know gently starting to inhale in through the mouth and just letting it take its time before it feels ready to release back out through the mouth, long and deep. Right? You want to use words like that, long and deep. Just kind of undulating the. Breath, I love your meditation. Right. <laughs> undulating the breath in, letting it go, and just continuing that cycle of breath, allowing yourself to feel at peace in this moment. All that matters is here and now, right? See, it's not creepy to say that. So all that matters is here and now. And then you just kind of let them be in it. And then as you notice, it's starting to come to a close. You just remind them to stay with that breath and to kind of bring their attention to something that really matters to them something that is important or something that they're looking to bring more success or prosperity to kind of use their language like success or money. You don't want to use woo woo words. Like they don't really know abundance and some of that stuff. So, um, you know, something, you know, somewhere where you're looking to advance in your life or, you know, promote to whatever it may be. And as you, you know, allow your, your mind to focus on this level of success, this area where you're looking to expand, just breathe in and just hold this breath, hold this space, hold this thought, and then allow it to drift back out into the world. And repeating again, bringing that breath in through the mouth, holding it in just holding this thought, holding this notion of success, of expansion, of having impact, letting it go. Once more, breathing it all in, holding and releasing. And then allowing yourself to come back to your body, relaxing the breath, relaxing the hands. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Oh my God. I just went with you the whole time. I love it. They open their eyes and they're looking at you, baby. It's a good moment. (laughs) (laughs) And then then you make make out. out. (laughs) How do you see your clients or just people in general giving away their power or taking their power back through the clothes that they choose to wear? All the time. I mean, I'll throw myself under the bus first and foremost. I mean, when I was like wrapped in my black cocoon clothes, you know, forever, um, I I didn't realize that it was my kind of shield, my love shield, because I was so scared of being seen because then if I got the attention, well, then what the heck do I do? 
like, I mean, at that point, men were aliens to me. I mean, I had been married for a long time. And I was like, oh my God, who are you? And what do I do with you? <laughs> you know, so I was just, I was riddled in fear. And so, you know, often I find that the close is, is a message and it also reflects of how people not only are feeling, but the value that they set on what clothes is for them. So in other words, like I think there are some people who are pretty good dressers, but then they will wear certain colors or certain styles that will hide them or or shift in the way that their moods do. But a lot of times, and more often than not, there's just no awareness. Like they have no idea how they're coming across and how their image is preventing them from finding love. I know that almost sounds like superficial, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. There's this woman who hired me just for dating coaching because, you know, sometimes people will hire me just for styling or just for the coaching or just for, you know, whatever it is that they need or confidence. But um, she thought her clothes were great. Seriously, like she, and actually her mm-hmm. clothes were very expensive. I could tell. It's not like she, you know, didn't know about, you know, good brands and she enjoyed the shopping aspect, but she showed up in all beige and the clothes were literally three sizes too big because she was tiny and she mm. was, she has Indian skin and, you know, there were certain colors I knew that were going to look fabulous, but she had no makeup on and the beige and she was just looking washed out and tired. But on top of that, when she showed up to meet me, she had a huge shawl around her. I'm like, okay, wait, we're going flirting and you're wearing a shawl. Like, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, and I'm not just talking like a sexy shawl, you know, like, like, you know, it was like, this cute. it looked like a blanket. I don't know how else to describe it. So, um, you know what? That screams to me like, I need protection. I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready to come out. I need or to comfort, cloak myself, comfort, Bingo. cloak myself. No, you, got, you ladies are spot on. That's exactly. And when I, you know, really kind of dug deeper into her history and, and got an understanding of, you know, where she came from, that's exactly what this was. It was exactly that protection thing. But she had no idea that her clothes were doing that for her. So, you know what I said? I, I sent her home. I said, look, I, I, I want to help you and we're going to learn how to flirt and I'm going to get you to where you want to go. But I can't work with you until we work on your image. And she's like, what? You know, she had no, she was almost like offended. I said, yeah. I said, what you're wearing and how you're wearing it is preventing, like it's literally preventing guys from approaching you. So I gave her an assignment before we went shopping. And I said, I want you just to go home and get a red lipstick. And I want you to wear the red lipstick, right? I want you to wear the red lipstick for a week and then report back to me what happened. And then we'll talk about shopping. And and I said, and no shawl. The shawl has got to go. Like, we'll have a (laughs) ceremony and burn it if we need to. That's fine. So she's like, okay. (laughs) You know, so she got a red lipstick. And I taught, so then a week later, she calls me and she's like, oh my God, Kim. I'm like, what happened? She's like, that little magic red bullet. She wore the red lipstick and she said that everywhere she went, guys were talking to her, like on the subway, in the Uber car, in the coffee shop. And she's like, and I didn't even start it. Like they just started talking to me. I said, really? Interesting. So did you talk back? She's like, you know what? I did. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was so cute. It is something that's so like fun and exciting to do, especially when it comes to dating or just, you know, reigniting some fire and couplehood. It's just, you know, having that kind of feeling sexy, you know, and it really is about how you feel and your mindset that transcends to the guy. And then the guy sees you as sexy too. So I always tell people, and I'll go back to the red lipstick, but men love women who love themselves. And same is true, you know, it works in reverse as well. And so I always tell people, this isn't about the man. It's not about the woman. This is about you and how you view you. And that's why this stuff is so powerful that I'm talking about. And so going back to the red lipstick, what she realized is that when she had gotten these guys' attention and they started talking to her, her confidence grew to then have conversation and engage in that way. And it gave her that confidence. And she started feeling more sexy, more confident and liked by men each day that she wore it. You know, again, it was like a vehicle for change. And then from there, we did go shopping. And the happy ending is she landed a great guy, you know, after we coached together. And so the research about the red, this is so fascinating, because I've been saying this for years, you know, like, if you want to get a click on your pick on Bumble, wear a red dress. If you want to walk into a party and attract a guy, wear a red, like, it doesn't matter, red boots, red shoes, red lips, all of it. And so they found biological, I finally found an article this year about like biological reasons why guys like it. Because I mean, without being so gross, I mean, think about it, that's the color of menstruation. So, you know, it's fertility, but it's a subconscious wow. thing. So they, they're attracted to it to procreate. Wow. Okay. I've never I know. heard Isn't this one crazy? before. I love that's it. Not, I, w- I would have never I guessed know. that. I know. I mean, I just, I think we know that Reddit, you know, stops people in its track. I mean, look, sirens are red, stop yeah. signs are red, you know, like it does stop people. But the for men in particular, I thought that was so fascinating. Hey Allie. It is. What? Food Heels color theme is oh. red. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we got our red walls. We've got our red artwork. <laughs> red has always been in Those our are lives. so fiery. I love it. We're just one I big uterus. Right. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. Sometimes we get a little. I love it. All right, Food Heals Nation. I hope you enjoyed those clips from past episodes. I know I had a blast collecting them and just re-listening to some old episodes that I had forgotten about that were super fun, super funny, super sexy. So I wanted to do a throwback for you, and I really hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. So, Food Heals Nation. Before we end today, it is February. And our Food Heals retreat to Italy, the Amalfi Coast, is only four months away. If you're listening right now, it means you are invited. So if you want to join us on the Amalfi Coast, go to foodhealsnation.com and click on Italy. We will be wine tasting, relaxing, riding on boats, shopping, swimming, lots of swimming, laying out on beaches taking lots of photos for Instagram. We're going to do cooking lessons with vegan celebrity chef Leslie Durso, and we're going to be eating at some of the finest restaurants on the Amalfi Coast. Like You don't understand how divine these restaurants are. All the menus are, of course, curated by the chefs with advice from Leslie, who helps them make the healthiest, veganist, most delicious plant-based meals for us. And 
You know, I know I gave up sugar, but some of the most divine desserts I have ever had were on the Amalfi Coast in Italy. So please join us. Here is a taste of what you can expect. Roll it, Roxy. My favorite thing about Italy is there's fashion and there's history and architecture and it's just, it's impossible not to love. It is such a beautiful place. The people are wonderful and the food is ridiculous and don't even get me started on the wine. The views that we have here and up in like in the villa and on the hike. The joy of Italy is all the plants. Um, on our hike down the path of the gods, we just find fennel and oregano and rosemary. And the pride that they take in their yes. food. It is not a job here. It's mm -hmm. a passion to cook. It was uniquely special to celebrate my birthday here in Italy with all of you. I think that I had happy birthday sung to me maybe five times throughout the day. <laughs> so my favorite part about Italy was each and every single person that I met here. And the words of empowerment, advice, and just love and generosity. My favorite part of Italy has been rerouting myself in my life and who I am and in the women around me. So for that, I thank each of you guys. <laughs> we don't have any tissues. <laughs> Here's some more Prosecco. Ah, oh, just hearing that is just, oh, it makes me so happy because we just had such an amazing time. And so much bonding and sisterhood that happens on the retreat too. You spend all this time together. You really get to know each other on these deep levels. And all of the girls on the trip are truly my friends for life and truly my sisters. So if you want to form a sisterhood with some of the Food Heals Nation sisters, please join us. If you're ready to sign up right now, just send me an email at info at foodhealsnation.com. And you can always look up the pictures if you want to see more. Uh, search the hashtag on Instagram, Food Heals Retreat or Food Heals Italy, and you can see those gorgeous pictures. Um, most of them are of us eating on boats, laying out at our infinity pool, all that good stuff. And if you want to download the brochure and get more information, just go to foodhealsnation.com and click on Italy. All right, Food Heals Nation, have a great V-Day, Valentine's Day, two days from now, and I'll see you next time. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.